Hey, welcome back to the channel. My name is Seem Lund and this is my wife Inka. Hi. And uh, we decided to do another, like a more podcast episode. And today's topic is going to be about cold exposure because there's a lot of, you know, new hype about um, cold exposure and taking ice baths. In uh, part one on this channel, we will be covering the effects of cold exposure primarily on the metabolism and um, longevity. And part two is going to be on Inka's channel which uh, will cover the effects of cold exposure on the brain and uh, neurotransmitters. Do it! So basically you have looked a lot into the research between cold exposure and longevity. Is there evidence that ice baths would be beneficial for longevity? So there is no like direct evidence to suggest that uh, taking ice baths or cold exposure itself would have like an anti-aging effect or longevity effect and... uh, the only like real evidence in terms of cold exposure and longevity has to do with uh, the body temperature and there is um, some evidence in like different kinds of animals like fruit flies and uh, mice and rodents that uh, lower body temperatures are associated with increased uh, lifespan and there is actually in humans as well one particular study finding that the lower body temperature Uh, was associated with uh, increased survival. You know, the problem here is that a lower body temperature necessarily doesn't mean taking ice baths. (laughs) So if you take an ice bath, then your body temperature drops uh, lower in the short term, in the immediate effect, uh, but it doesn't really like lower your body temperature over the course of the rest of the 24-hour period. So it doesn't have like this cooling effect. It only lowers your body temperature in the short term. Mm. So the overall lower body temperature is mainly achieved or it's mostly the effect of like your metabolic rate, your energy intake, your calorie intake and your thyroid function. So those things, if you you know generally eat less calories and you're under calorie restriction, which is also associated with increased lifespan and longevity, it's going to lower your body temperature as well. And you have like lower thermoregulation, like your body produces less heat slightly because of under being under this energy stress and having lower uh, thyroid function. So there is no like evidence to suggest that putting animals into like a cold chamber for the rest of their life would increase their lifespan <laughs> but uh, cooling them down and keeping their like like the, their body temperature somewhat lower through whatever mechanism that is that is associated with increased uh, lifespan but that isn't necessarily because of you know the like the ice bath effect or um, the the cold thermogenesis genesis effect it's mostly like the effect of a lower metabolic rate and lower like energy expenditure and if you you know basically burn less calories your body runs cooler a few degrees then you're under less of this you know oxidative stress as well because if you do burn a lot of calories you go through a lot of you know energy metabolism then uh, that increased reactive oxygen species like healthy metabolism already produces reactive oxygen species as well and that just you know wears the system out eventually so like hyperactivity (laughs) hyper metabolic rate and hyper body temperature uh, those things uh, will shorten the lifespan at least in animals because of basically your body is burning too much energy and uh, wears the organs out through increased oxidative stress but uh, i mean there are like some you know uh, reasons to think that cold exposure as well with ice baths or cold showers whatever has longevity benefits in many different uh, ways do you want to slow down aging if you do i'm looking for a few more people who want to reverse their biological clock 
If you're interested, then send me an email to info at seamlund.com and I'll send you all the details. How ice baths or cold showers would benefit longevity? Yeah, well, first of all, you know, when you are doing cold exposure, then you're going to lower your, you know, you do like lower your body temperature slightly. So that cools down the system slightly. Um, you also lower inflammation levels. So there's massive anti-inflammatory effects mm. on cold. Diff- you shouldn't do it when you're sick, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it doesn't, it does boost your immune system over the long term. If you do it, if you take cold showers and ice baths uh, regularly or uh, you winter swim. So winter swimmers have higher levels of glutathione because of the cold is a small positive uh, stressor to your system that boosts the antioxidant defense. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it is a good idea and smart idea to do some sort of like cold exposure, uh, whether that be cold showers every morning or uh, like some sort of a ice bath every once in a while. Uh, because it does, you know, boost your glutathione, it increases your antioxidant defense, and, um, you know, it also lowers the inflammation. Specifically from a longevity side, from a genetic side, uh, there is, the cold exposure will also activate different kinds of, um, you know, these pro-longevity factors, or even, like, longevity-associated genes get, get expressed more, gene expression. So one of the main ones is a FOXO3 so FOXO uh, proteins are a family of these proteins that uh, regulate stress resilience and uh, energy metabolism, and uh, they basically make your body more resilient against uh, stress, and uh, that's why it has like longevity effect as well. And centenarians, funny enough, uh, some of the centenarian groups in different uh, regions of the world, even like among the blue zones, some of those groups have like these genetic mutations that they have more of these FOXO3 cold exposure does activate these FOXO proteins and uh, the cold through the activation of these FOXO proteins also increases autophagy, which is this, you know, cell clearance mechanism that uh, clears the cell of uh, dysfunctional cell components and junk material. And that also has longevity benefits and at least in like, you know, mice and animals, you know, calorie restriction even is a lot of mediated a lot of it is the longevity benefits of calorie restriction are a lot mediated by autophagy so uh, you know you do need autophagy for the longevity benefits of calorie restriction as well as you know the cold exposure and uh, cold exposure you know increases these FOXO3 that then promotes autophagy so cold exposure you know directly doesn't increase autophagy uh, but through the FOXO proteins it does so uh you know, there is that thing. So that is the like mechanistic uh, effect of actual taking ice baths, uh, the benefits of uh, on, on longevity. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's something like a hormetic stressor that should be done as a, like a hormetic stressor. So, you know, it's same with intermittent fasting, same with exercise. If you overdo it, then it may be actually harmful. So it's somewhat, you know, you need to do it like in the moderate, moderate dose and uh, not let yourself be chronically stressed out by it. Mm. Yeah, I wanted to ask, since you said uh, moderate amounts and you have looked at the studies on how much they do, what do you think is the proper amount? Like how lo- how often you should do cold exposure for longevity benefits and how, how long? Yeah, uh, I think that depends also a lot on the individual and uh, their stress tolerance and the cold tolerance. So I don't think there is like no one size fits all answer to this. I would say that 
you know, even a little bit is going to be, there is no like optimal amount. I don't think so. <laughs> the same way that like there is no optimal amount of like exercise. There's like many age and gender and your diet, all those things matter, so to say, and the other stressors in your life. But I mean, you should, you know, get a little bit of cold every once in a while, the same way like you should get very hot every once in a while with the sauna as well. Like uh, associations between frequency of sauna use with the highest benefits appearing like more than four times a week with the sauna. There is no studies like that on cold exposure because I don't think it's that researched or there haven't hasn't haven't been that many studies on that specifically. Like how 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 long do people live if they take cold showers or uh, ice baths? There's no studies like that uh, yet. Um, but I would say like you know there are a few things that you can easily do even on like daily basis, like you can easily take like a cold shower in the morning. That's a very easy thing to do. Um, and, um, you know, maybe once a week or something, you do like something a bit colder, like, um, you know, you don't necessarily always have to take like an ice bath. There's no like a massive longevity benefit or it's not needed for longevity to do like an actual ice bath for a long time or uh, very frequently. Like you can probably get like the minimal effective dose by just cooling down your body, you know, first of all, before bed, that's good for sleep. Uh, or like in the morning, you do like a cold shower. And uh, even that small change probably is already enough to have like a positive effect on your metabolism, because it does increase your metabolic rate slightly as well through the shivering. And you activate this brown fat, which uh, is the kind of healthier kind of fat. So there's uh, white fat cells, which is generally like the fat under your skin, so this kind of blubber, <laughs> whale blubber, and uh, uh, the purpose of white fat is to just, you know, expend calories and use it for energy expenditure. Whereas brown fat is more visceral, so it's more around like the organs, especially around the upper chest, scapula, around the neck, and uh, some of the organs to keep it more warm. And brown fat is a lot more thermoregulative, so it uh, keeps you much more warmer. So that's why babies have a lot of brown fat. And the brown fat activates the white fat, right? Uh, or like burns, helps to burn the white fat for energy. Mm, well, yeah, like the if the more brown fat you have, the more insulin sensitive you are, and uh, it also is considered to be like anti-obesogenic and anti-diabetic. So yeah, like maintains better insulin sensitivity, maintains better body composition slightly, and better metabolic health. Uh, overall so if you do get exposed to cold then uh, you activate the conversion of white fat into brown fat so that's beige beige fat <laughs> so uh mix of yes yes so like a mixture and like the brown fat also has a lot more mitochondria so you pr- produce more energy so that's why it's brown it's uh, full of mitochondria mm. whereas white fat it's white because it's just uh, this triglycerides or fat fat molecules so i guess we can say that it's like healthy fat versus bad fat, in a sense. Yeah, well, I mean, you do need some sub- this uh, white fat as well. Um, so it's just that if you do have little brown fat, then you're probably not metabolically healthy. Mm. Um, and um, if you have too much white fat, then you're just probably overweight and obese. Mm. And I mean, if you eat like a obesogenic diet and you eat too many calories, then you're just you're going to accumulate the, the white fat. You don't accumulate the brown fat by overeating. Mm. You need to activate brown fat and uh, the conversion of white fat into brown fat. And the key, I mean, exercise increases brown fat. 
cold exposure increases brown fat, intermittent fasting increases brown fat, mm. and uh, beijing of the white fat into brown fat is through leptin. So leptin is called the satiety hormone, and uh, leptin regulates your metabolic rate and energy ex- expenditure, and it also regulates the conversion conversion of uh, white fat into brown fat. And uh, funny enough, cold exposure improves, so increases leptin levels, but decreases leptin levels in the in the fat cells. So you basically uh, and, and uh, you know leptin is produced by the fat cells. So if you are leptin resistant, as a like usually overweight person, you're just gonna keep eating and you don't get the satiety signal. Whereas you know cold exposure helps mm-hmm. to kind of reset the leptin or um, sensitizes you to leptin again. So wait, so if you are an overeater, a snacker, you maybe have a big appetite, you could use cold exposure to increase the satiety hormone and lose weight through that mechanism as well. Yeah, so I mean, yeah, metabolic, the cold exposure increases your metabolic rate, so you shiver and burn more calories, but it also increases satiety or increases leptin. That's great. So, <laughs> yeah, it makes you more leptin sensitive. And uh, it doesn't appear to like increase hunger, cold. So mm. it doesn't make you hungry. So you're not going to overeat in response to cold exposure. You're just burning calories and, you know, helping with the body fat distribution without compensating for it with overeating where i mean with calorie restriction you will you know inevitably get hungry <laughs> and uh, you will want to mm. uh, but i mean i mean yeah like if you start losing a lot of weight through cold exposure you're like you do ice baths every day and you're just burning so many calories then yeah you will probably get hungry but that's because you're in a calorie deficit and you're how much calories does cold exposure potentially burn depends on the cold how cold mm. it is and uh, how long you stay in it there was one study that they used when you are immersed in cold very cold like water of like 14 degrees celsius which is like almost winter winter uh, water for i think it was 20 or 30 minutes <laughs> which is very cold then your metabolic rate increased their metabolic rate increased like up to 350 percent yeah, I know this study. I'm going to also talk about the study because they measured dopamine. They were immersed yeah. in the water for one hour. Yeah, yeah. and <laughs> Actually, that's like crazy long time to do cold bath. Yeah, so it does you know, burn a lot of calories. But, um, I mean, if you do like a cold shower, then you're probably not going to see that effect. From my own personal anecdotal experience, I can say that if I do take cold showers in the morning, then it's much easier to stay uh leaner or or is or is much harder to gain weight at least in my experience mm-hmm. so we've had every day i do take the cold shower then on those days i definitely um even if i eat you know plenty of calories i don't you know gain any kind of fat um but uh yeah i mean you're not gonna burn like i don't think any more than like maybe 50 or 100 calories per day if you take like a cold shower or something like that uh, but if you take like an ice ice bath for five minutes or something, and you're like literally shivering for minutes after that, then that can burn even like maybe a few hundred calories at mm. most. So it's not it's not like super super powerful. So uh, in conclusion, colder body temperature or lower body temperature is associated with the increased lifespan in different animals. Even like there is some association in humans as well, but that that isn't necessarily from 
you know, taking ice baths. <laughs> so your, you know, 24 hour average body temperature has nothing to do that much with taking an ice bath or a cold shower. It, you know, lowers your body temp- temperature in the short term, but it's not like a long term effect. Uh, with the uh, cold exposure and ice baths directly, then they do activate different kinds of longevity pathways and genes. Uh, but the bigger, more important effect probably has to do with the kind of energy expenditure and uh, the brown fat, which is more insulin sensitive. So I do think that, uh, yeah, like taking a cold shower is probably beneficial every once in a while. It also, of course has benefits on the immune system and, uh, you know, maybe taking an ice bath every once in a while or going for a swim in the spring or the winter time can also have obviously some health benefits, uh, but uh, it's a positive stressor, hormetic stressor. So uh, yeah, you don't need to overdo it. So it's not like that you need to do a lot. <laughs> you can already get the benefits by you know, just incorporating some aspects of cold exposure into, into your lifestyle. All right, that's it for part one. In part two, we're going to be talking a lot about mental health benefits of uh, cold exposure and how it affects neurotransmitters like dopamine and uh, things like that. Hi, in this video, me and Seema are going to continue on our discussion about cold exposure and we're especially going to focus on the brain aspect, the dopamine aspect, uh, some other catecholamines and how potentially cold exposure can be used for brain repair and longevity benefits. So welcome. So uh, how does you know cold exposure affect the brain and uh, things like neurotransmitters? Yeah. So this is a very interesting research field, has been quite a big topic recently. Cold exposure has been shown to increase dopamine, and that's probably the biggest takeaway from all of the studies, which are not many, but are quite promising. And animal studies and human studies point to the same direction, that cold exposure can be used as a safe way to cause a steady increase in your dopamine levels. So I want to specifically point out one study in which they they had 10 men doing a one hour cold exposure in different temperatures. So they compared 30 degrees, 20 degrees and 14 degrees, which are in Fahrenheit about 89, 68 and 57 uh, degrees Fahrenheit and the men sat in in cold water, immersed in cold water from neck down for one hour, which is a pretty long time to be in a cold water. I wonder what they did, like did they have music or something there or because that would have <laughs> been a very meditative experience as well if they just sat and breathed. Mm. Um, I didn't find that information in the paper but probably they just sat there. And so they looked at the cold effects on different metabolic markers and neurotransmitters. And they reported that being in a 14 degrees water, so that would be the 57 Fahrenheit, increased dopamine levels, norepinephrine levels, um, and also metabolic rate. But the dopamine and norepinephrine increases were pretty high. So dopamine increased 250%, norepinephrine 530 percent with a little bit different time course so dopamine started started rising and steadily up until one hour and then it kind of remained pretty level up until two hours which was the period that they monitored the men so i would assume that it stayed elevated for a lot longer than the two hours uh, noradrenaline did a rise quite rapidly quite high and then there was a way larger or steeper drop in that one. What was interesting in this study in terms of dopamine and noradrenaline is that 
we regard these as especially norepinephrine. So noradrenaline and norepinephrine, I use these interchangeably. They are the same um, neurotransmitter. They both increased, whereas adrenaline did not. So it wasn't like, it was a stress state, but I would say it's like less stressful than something like fast fear reaction. Mm. So it's like exercise or, you know, exercise also increases. Exactly that. Uh, it's it's very similar to that one in terms of also what it affects and does to your neurotransmitters. So specifically these neurotransmitters, dopamine and norepinephrine are very important for focus, alertness and vigilance. They increase your ability to, first of all, gate and maintain attention and also flexibly change attention when needed. And low dopamine is characterized by anhedonia and low motivation and this kind of general lack or willingness to do stuff. And um, noradrenaline, norepinephrine is yeah important, for example, for this kind of sustained attention where you may have some disturbing signals or something that requires this kind of very long stretches of focus to certain things. Mm. Yeah, but what about the, you know, dopamine has the reputation of being like this addiction <laughs> neurotransmitter and, uh, you know, being addicted to stuff. So many people would suggest or think that this increase in dopamine from the cold exposure, you know, makes you more addicted to stuff or is the cold exposure itself addictive or what's that? Mm. Well, that's a good point. It's not an easy topic to study, like different dopaminergic signals and how much do they spike or drop dopamine and in which pathways they affect. But what the study seems to point is that there are certain things that cause very rapid spike in dopamine, like sugar, chocolate, you know, social media might do that, nicotine, things like that, some mind-altering drugs. Mm. And then the dopamine drops pretty rapidly below the baseline. This is sometimes referred, especially in the in the book Dopamine Nation, book of uh, Dr. Anna Lemke. It's an excellent read, also talks about cold exposure. Uh, she talks about pain-pleasure balance. So it first comes to rapid pleasure, mm. then it drops to the pain side, sort of, which is just a relative drop in the in the dopamine levels in the brain. So this would be the, the kind of like ad- addictive pattern. Whereas things like cold exposure, they don't cause that rapid drop. So I don't know how, like they didn't monitor these people who did the cold exposure for a long time, but at least up until two hours, they saw maintained uh, steady Mm. dopamine levels. Mm. Whereas let's say you take sugar, that would cause a sugar high dopamine rush for in five, 10 minutes and possibly decrease it in 20-30 minutes. So then it caused this, what we experience as almost like pain or a lack, and we crave more. Mm. So I would say... (laughs) I don't think many people will crave the ice bath, you know, 30 30 minutes later. (laughs) That's the thing, like the experience is not super pleasurable. I mean, people may want to go again, but more because they know what comes after. Yeah not because the experience itself feels so good. Whereas social media and sugar might be things that the experience itself causes such a rapid increase in dopamine that it causes the pleasure first and then comes the pain. 
Mm. So you live in craving, whereas cold bath is kind of like the opposite. You yeah. push the lever first to the pain side mm. and the pleasure comes steadily after. And uh, from the addiction side, we talked about it in the last in the part one of the uh, leptin sensitivity so that the cold increases leptin sensitivity and uh, you know that actually reduces your food intake and uh, reduces or increases satiety, so you're less likely to uh, overeat. So that's um, yeah. a good counterbalance. Or is it something that you know everyone should do and uh, to improve their like I don't know mental health or uh, dopamine levels? Or, or is there any like specific? We mentioned addiction, so that can be uh, beneficial, pro- possibly, possibly, but uh, any other like conditions? Yeah. So as I said. Uh, things like addictions doesn't have to be a clinical addiction if you are wanting to quit morning social media scrolling Mm. you could use a cold shower instead to support that happy feeling that dopamine maybe if you want to reduce your coffee intake in the morning Mm. cold shower could be very beneficial for that one if you just want more focus and attention in the morning hours then first thing a cold shower in the morning would possibly... There There are not that many studies in cold showers and dopamine, unfortunately, yet, because it's a very difficult thing to study. But that would be probably like a good way to increase your dopamine in the morning. Cold exposure might be good if you are having some sort of mood dip, maybe depressive symptoms. There was this study in cryo chambers so cryotherapy is basically it's this kind of like a booth Mm. where you will go and stand and tube yeah and the temperatures are very cold Uh, in there it's like below 100 Mm. uh, minus 100 degrees celsius so they go very very cold Uh, you you stay there only one or two minutes so it's also safe it sounds pretty harsh but (laughs) it's safe um, so what they found is that there were 92 adults, so pretty big group, between 20 to 70 years old, so all ages, and they went underwent 10 whole body cryotherapy sessions. And they found that statistically significant improvements in clinical depression, life quality, self-assessed mood, and disease acceptance. Possibly... You know, depression is linked to lower dopamine signaling and there is a chance that this is one of the mechanisms in which cold exposure will improve mood. Uh, But there are, of course, not a lot of studies in this topic yet, but I see that's a very potential way Mm. to at least use as an alternative or complementary treatment to support the recovery from depression. depression. Yeah, I mean, it does feel very euphoric after you come out of the cold. <laughs> yeah, it does increase and, beta endorphins as well. Yeah, and it maintains this uh, good, positive mood, almost like, or high mental clarity and stuff uh, for the rest of the day, almost. Yeah, and that's most likely because of the catecholamines that mm. it increases, and the euphoria comes from the beta endorphins. Um, then one thing that I think is important mechanisms, we talk about physiology a lot here, like neurotransmitters, There is, of course, also the thing that when you start training cold exposure, you have to put your body under stress deliberately and you need to overcome some limits that you may have, some limits that you think you have. 
but then you overcome these limits, which increases psychological quality called self-efficacy. Hmm. Means that you have the internal belief that I have a challenge, but I can overcome it with my own internal qualities, with my own internal mindset. And self-efficacy is one of the most important psychological mechanisms of basically being optimistic and mm. progressing with life goals and also overcoming clinical symptoms. Mm, yeah, I mean, it, it kind of increases your like confidence of overcoming challenges or because if you do like a a lot of people who aren't used to it like in these boot camps and stuff they go to the ice bath for the first time and where they you know achieve it with the help of a instructor then they're like wow i did it or they're like super i don't know motivated and super like surprised that they could do it and they're like super proud of themselves as well so it does increase it's a small victory that increases your self-confidence and for sure self uh insure or ability to believe in self <laughs> and uh and uh, yeah, I mean, if you do it every day, for example, with a cold shower, then it's like this small little victory that you do that uh, gets the pendulum pendulum sw- swinging or momentum on your side that the rest of the day is also somewhat easier and uh, in some sense increases your, you know, you believe that, hey, I was able to overcome this challenge. I'll also able to overcome the challenge of going for exercise or whatever mm-hmm. the other thing that you need to do. Yeah, for sure. And one thing that it is, it is a stressor. The prefrontal cortex is basically the brain area here behind your forehead that tells your emotional centers of the brain, like the limbic system that, hey, it's all cool. I can handle it. No need to panic. No need to fear. So when you go into the shower, you need to train that prefrontal cortex. You need to calm yourself with self-affirmations, focusing on your breathing or whatever. And this does train the the networks that mm. help to use the prefrontal cortex to lower the activity, for example, in the amygdala, in the fear centers. So it's maybe a bit similar to meditation or mm. just calming yourself down. But in this setting, when it's cold exposure, you are all the time in control. You control your stress and you control your stress control. Mm. So it's like the... The Tibetan monks, like, they set themselves on fire and meditate. <laughs> but it's like a more... That wouldn't uh, be light, as safe as cold light. exposure, I think. It's a, like, like you know, light light version of that. You just uh, do a cold to uh, control your reactions. And that improves your self-control overall. Yes, I think this is a better way. <laughs> but uh, what about anti-aging and uh, longevity in terms of, like, the brain? So, you know, mm. the brain is also something that ages. Yes. So there are two different points that I briefly want to discuss here. There is not so much studies, controlled studies on longevity benefits of cold exposure to the brain. But what drives brain aging is the loss of synapses, synaptic connections, basically, and the dendrites in the neurons. And studies show that in hibernating animals, which goes into the deep cold shock, their brain gets basically atrophy. So the dendrite starts to die and everything starts to decline. Mm. But when they come out of the hibernation, they get like almost like a rebirth to the brain. So everything starts to be boosted, like the regeneration of the dendrites, the branching of the dendrites and the neurons. And that's a similar speed that's only seen in the embryonic period. 
So that's why I said rebirth of the brain. I think it's very fascinating that this yeah. is this mechanism is um, like boosting the brain growth similar to as they were young again. So maybe that would be one of the things that could happen in the human brain uh, as well. At least animal studies show that after cold water swimming, there is an increase in brain uh, growth factors like BD and F. Uh, and also there is this uh, cold shock protein increase, which mm. boosts neuronal growth as well. Um, also, there is therapeutic hypothermia, which is used after brain injuries to regeneration and repairing the damage in the central nervous system. So yeah, I think although very little studies, very few studies, um, there seems to be promising early studies to show that it can boost brain growth and regeneration. But the protocols, that is something that I don't think anyone can at the moment say very reliably mm, in yeah. terms of, you know, cold showers or cold bathing. Well, Andrew Huberman had this rule. I don't know what is it based on, probably science, because he's a scientist, <laughs> but he had, like me, a, <laughs> he had like an 11 minute rule. Something like mm. that that's a good place to start or do 11 minutes a week of cold exposure, whether it's like a cold bathing or ice baths uh, or sorry, cold baths or ice, uh, cold showers and preferably divided in different days of the week. So let's say if you take one minute cold sho shower each morning, you are getting like or two minutes, you're getting this benefit and you know cold i think cold swimming is very good it's hard to get the chance to do that though mm. but if you kind of have a chance then definitely i would start with the trainer mm. because there i mean it's still hypothermia it's still like dangerous dangerous if you don't know what to do there are some like quite sad cases or where, where people just go on and jump in an ice lake and the outcome is not so good. Mm. So that's why like a, with a trainer also, they teach you the mental aspect. They teach you how to get in there safely. Yeah. And then, yeah, with the group is always mm. good as well. Good idea. So here we're a little overview of the brain and mental health side of the cold exposure. I would say as a summary, it's an excellent practice to support dopamine, catecholamines, when you do it regularly and you do it safely. So there are different options to explore. Cold showers pretty much available for anyone. Thanks for watching. I hope it helped. Uh, if you want to learn more about the brain, mental health and longevity, check out my other videos as well. And check out the part one from Sims channel.